Have you seen a movie or a TV show with a birthing scene in it before? Yeah, so I, I gave birth, and can I just say how inaccurate those scenes are? Are there any other mamas who are like, um, no, that is not what it looks like? We have these women that can come in, and they've got their hair done, their makeup done, and they're like, ooh, ouch, for one second, push for one time, and then pop, that baby comes right out. And I'm like, mm-mm, that is not how this thing happens. They're able to keep their composure and dignity with minimal mess or effort involved. And that's how we want prayer to work, myself included. I pray a couple times, I don't get the answer that I want, and then I'm done. We don't want to have to work up a sweat. We don't want to have things get messy. We don't want to have to get too loud. We don't want too much pain involved. In heaven forbid, we don't want it to take longer than expected. But James is about to be our birthing coach this morning. New perspective for James. So, and men, don't check out because we're actually going to talk about a story of a man who gave birth. Bet you didn't see that one coming. So, James 5. Open up your Bibles to James 5, chapter, yeah, 513. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So let's pray. God, the author and perfecter of our faith, I pray that you would stir up faith in us this morning. May our hearts, minds, eyes, and ears be open to what you want to do in us this morning through your word. It's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So has James been getting on anyone else's nerves as we go throughout this series? I'm like, come on, bro, really? You come in at us with all the things. James has given us some pretty intense instructions throughout his letter. And so I was ready, honestly, to just roll up my sleeves and be like, bring it, bring it at me, James. What are you coming with? But he didn't come with a punch this time. He came with a push, a push to pray. 
Because if we are going to live a life of wholehearted devotion to Jesus and his ways that James has been encouraging us in, we have got to be people that will labor in prayer for the things that God wants to birth in us. What you birth will look different for different people. It could be the direct answers to your prayers, or it could be the supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding, which is just as profound and powerful and miraculous. I know we all have doubts and disappointments and questions with prayer. I do too. But this morning, I'm inviting us to open up ourselves and consider what James is saying at the end of his letter. He's been coming at us pretty hard with what it looks like to actually live out what we believe. We can't just be cultural Christians that live disastrously wonderful lives like we say around here. The Christian life gets really hard and messy. I think we can all attest to that. So Jesus told the disciples when addressing this, that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Then after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. In church, we need to pray to make it through too. Will we be known for being a praying church? Praying for ourselves, our family, our city, our church? Could it be that the only way we receive some of the things that God has for us, we must first labor for them in prayer? There are some things that can only be birthed through prayer. So as I said, James is going to be our birthing coach this morning. So how does James coach us to birth the things that God has for us? First, we need to see suffering from the right perspective. So when it comes to giving birth, women are often coached that we can't see pain as something to run away from or something to be scared of. That if we see it as this uh, experience that is scary, then we're going to want to get all tense, we're going to want to hold our breath, and we're going to want to fight the pain. When really, in order to birth a baby, you have to surrender to the pain. You actually have to feel it deeply in your body. And yet, it's through feeling that pain that new life is born. And it's the same way with our suffering. If we see pain and hardship as scary and something to be avoided, we aren't going to have the right perspective. And it will be really hard to keep going in order to see the new life born that God has in us. So what does James 5.13 say? Is anyone, is anyone among you in trouble? He should pray. So when you read the word trouble, I'm not sure what comes to mind for you, but when I think about trouble, I think about one of my kids coming to me and saying, Mom, I'm in trouble. I just broke something really special to you. And I'm like, then you better pray, child. But that is not the type of thing that, that James is inviting us into. There are no harsh words. 
James is actually referring to the original language that says, is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Let them, you pray. (laughs) That takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? To think about, is anyone among you suffering? So I want to pause and take a moment for you to sit with that question. Is anyone among you suffering? It could be from depression, anxiety, finances, addiction, sickness. James and the early church were familiar with suffering as well when he wrote this letter. This letter was written to a group of Jewish Christians who were facing trials and persecution. Under the threat of this persecution, they were tempted to compromise their Christian commitment and to follow the ways of the world instead. Isn't that so relatable? To be tempted to just want to just leave it all and follow the ways of the world instead. So James tells them that the response to their suffering should be to pray. But I've got to admit, Prayer often seems like the last thing that I think to do when I'm suffering. In one moment, oh, it's the last thing, I, I, my last resort, it would be pretty easy for me to list all the things that I go to before prayer, even without recognizing it. I can be trying to manage the stress of my day, and then all of a sudden I've been scrolling Instagram for an entire hour. Or maybe it's binging Netflix for you. That isn't to say we can't use anything outside of prayer to cope with the things that we're going through. There are other ways that we can seek answers. Lord knows that I love my counselor, Kathy. I love some retail therapy. And I love to cope with some chocolate milk because I'm basically like a child. That is my, my drug of choice. But James gives a pretty simple answer with his simple response. Is anyone among you suffering? Pray. So why is this so hard sometimes then? Maybe it's because we've kept our lives so busy that we are avoiding being able to process the suffering that we're in. Maybe we've been disappointed by unanswered prayer and we don't want to get our hopes up again to then be disappointed again. Maybe you're not so sure about God's goodness or if he wants to even be involved in your life. So why talk to him about it? Maybe we've gotten so good at self-medicating with entertainment, food, social media, porn, alcohol, that we've numbed ourselves from even needing to pray. Or maybe, maybe you're like me, where you've worked so hard to create a life that you can manage on your own so that you just don't need God or anybody else for that matter. Can I really trust God? So what's it for you? Is it one of these things? Is this relatable? Or what is it for you? What holds you back? What what causes you to resist prayer like, like me, like I can do? 
Yet James told the early church to pray because he knows that prayer keeps us connected to God so that we can see our suffering from his perspective. And I believe that God really wants to help us do that too. I love how we see Jesus do this for the disciples as he talks to them about going back to heaven with the Father after the resurrection. The disciples are grieving and mourning that Jesus is about to leave. He just left, and that wasn't, that wasn't a good thing, and now he's leaving again? But John 16, 20 through 22 says, this is Jesus responding to the disciples, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Jesus gave the disciples a new perspective to their suffering. So how have I seen this play out in my own life? So my husband, Mike, and I, we were married for a couple years, and we found out that I was pregnant. And we weren't necessarily planning to start a family yet, but this was a pleasant surprise because I had been longing to be a mother for as long as I can remember. It was actually even Thanksgiving weekend 10 years ago that we brought the news to our families to share with them that they were about to be grandparents. But then it was a month later that I started cramping and experiencing an unbearable amount of pain. And so I went to the emergency room and had an ultrasound done to discover that I was having a miscarriage. The actual pain of miscarrying was extremely intense, I will add, but was nothing compared to the pain of the disappointment and grief. There were months and months of grieving and processing this type of suffering. But by God's grace, I had people in my life that helped direct me towards the God that can't help but draw near to us when we are brokenhearted. He even promises that. It was as if God scooped me up into his lap and held me and comforted me. And after a while, it was like he turned me around as I sat on his lap and I got to look outward and see things from his perspective. And he helped me make sense of where he was at in the midst of my suffering. So what is this first way that James is coaching us in the birthing process? We need to see our suffering from the right perspective. Next, James coaches us that one of the best ways to bear the things that God has for us is to pray in faith. Faith allows us to believe things before we see them, and birthing mothers need this type of faith. 
because it feels like a baby will never come sometimes. Like, it's just like, oh my gosh, I read the books and I, when, when's this thing coming out? When we pray with faith, God does the things that seem impossible, things that we don't realize are right around the corner. So how does this tie into what James is saying here? When looking at how James addresses sickness, I think it's helpful to read the wording used in the ESV translation because it gives a little bit more clarity to the meaning. So James 5, 14 through 15 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Oh, I know these verses can be complex, and they can bring up some different emotions. They've messed with me, too. I spent hours trying to make sense of these verses. Is it the oil that heals? What kind of oil do we got to get here? I mean, we got the essential oil folks saying, yes and amen, I've got one for you. Is anyone essential oil people in here? I mean, maybe not in this church. Um, so anyway, how much faith is needed to heal? How does healing happen? If you aren't healed, is it because of sin? Just tell me the formula. How do we get healed? It wouldn't take much for me to tear up at the thought of the faces and names of people that I've prayed for that haven't been healed. Maybe there are names that are easy to come to mind for you as well, especially as we start this holiday season where maybe there's some people missing around your table this year. There are some of you in this room right now even, begging and waiting and doing all the things that James is saying in hopes to see your healing come. My heart aches with you. I may not know your story or the toll that it has taken on you, but I am so sorry. There is probably no greater challenge to faith than when desperate prayers for our own or others' healing is not answered. I'm truly committed to crying and grieving and wrestling with you in prayer for healing. And I just want to take a moment to say to those of you who may have a prolonged illness or who have had a disability, I feel like God wanted me to share a word of encouragement with you. God sees you. He loves you. I know it may not feel like that right now. But he wants to give you strength in your weakness and comfort in your pain. You are counted among one of those that God has called to count it all joy when you face trials because the testing of your faith produces perseverance so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And you are the most mature among us. Keep 
holding on. Your reward will be great in heaven. But there is something that God has been doing in me that I believe he wants to do in us to help us pray in faith. I've had to remind myself over and over again all week as I worked on this sermon to look at what James said about prayer and healing. So I want to invite you to look at what he says too. I've had to sit with the question, will I allow the Bible, God's word, to inform my beliefs more than my feelings and circumstances when it comes to prayer and healing? Because I think James really aims to stir faith by reminding the early church of what prayer can do. So let's make our way through these verses. And it's important to remember as we dig into uh, this next part of James that James is wisdom literature. That means that James is giving us wisdom about healing and prayer. These are not promises. These are not guarantees, but they are invitations to live by faith and to live by faith to see what God can do. So when looking at James 5.14, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. James clearly set the initiative on the person in need to ask for prayer. Let them call the elders. So put that in your back pocket this morning. Do you need prayer for healing? This morning, you'll have an opportunity to step out in faith and get prayer after the message from one of our prayer team members. Then James 5.15 goes on to say, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And by all means, James is referring to physical healing. But the word save is referring to the word sozo, which means to save or rescue, not just from physical sickness, but from the deeper sickness of sin as well. I love how Martha Moore Keish puts it. Yet healing and salvation, sozo, come in a variety of forms, not just instantaneous dramatic restoration of physical, heal- of physical health. Healing may involve the calming of an unquiet mind or the realization of joyful purpose by someone in despair. So we get to breathe in God's grace that loves us into a new way of being. And isn't that what James has been emphasizing all along? That we would experience the deeper work of God in us to make us whole and new? This is the supernatural power of God on display. What if we were a church that lived with this kind of faith, not just for physical healing, although that is glorious and amazing, but the kind of faith that prays for healing to come in one way or another, because it will come. One that prays, come what may, God, have your way. Come and heal us into a new way of being. James is coaching us to pray with this kind of faith so that we can birth whatever God has for us. So finally, James coaches us that in order to birth the things that God has for us, we need to pray for each other and with each other. 
When a woman is in labor, she needs people to come around her. We cannot do it on our own. When we get weak and weary, we need maybe our spouse, a parent, a nurse, a doula that helps remind us to keep going when we want to give up. It's the same thing with us in prayer. We need each other that when we grow weak and tired and we don't want to keep praying, that we have each other to encourage one another to keep praying. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It is so easy to be led astray and to walk in sin when we feel disappointed or when life gets hard, or when we feel like God's not answering, or even sometimes just when life feels boring. Sin becomes so tempting during these times, and we can end up losing our way. But confession and prayer and community is what helps keep us on the path that leads to healing. And that word for healing here is ayomai or ayomai or something like that, which means to heal, restore, and renew. And that's what confession and community does. It heals and restores and renews. That's why we need each other. In order to birth the things that God has for us, for you, there may be areas of sin in your life that need to be brought to the light and confessed. Have you lost your way? Have you gotten trapped in an area of sin? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is ours, is yours to take hold of. We will have an opportunity this morning for you to come and confess your sin with someone you came with or with one of the prayer team members because we need each other. We need community and confession to birth the things that God has for us. So let's recap these three things that James coaches us in to birth the things that God has for us. One, we need to see suffering from the right perspective. We need two, we need to pray in faith. And three, we need to make room for confession and community. We need all of these things to help birth the things that God has for us. Remember that these things that God has for us to birth, again, they may not be direct answers to your prayer. But it could be being healed in a way that transforms you, that allows you to become new, which is just as profound and miraculous as our physical healing. So to close us, I mentioned at the beginning that there's a story in the Bible of a man that gave birth. James gives us a sneak peek, but we are going to look at this guy's story more in depth. So let's look at James chapter 5, 17 through 18. Elijah was human just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah was known as a faithful prophet and man of prayer. 
you may be familiar with who he is because he's one of the heroes of the faith in the Bible. He saw so many incredible miracles through through prayer. And yet, don't you love what James says, that Elijah was a human being just like me, just like you? You don't have to be qualified enough. You don't have to be smart enough. You don't have to be good enough. God loves to choose people just like you and me, to pray earnestly with faith just like Elijah did, and to let him do the work from there. So let's look at this story that James is referring to. We don't have time to read through the whole thing, so I just suggest that spend some time in 1 Kings 17 and 18 so you can just soak it all in yourself this week. It is so good. So I'm going to try to run through this quickly that, uh, as we go through 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17.1 says, Now Elijah said to King Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And then guess what? It didn't rain for three and a half years. That's what James just told us. Then skip to 1 Kings 18. It says, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So after these three years of no rain, Elijah announces that rain is now coming. But check this out. Skip down a little bit into verse 44, and Elijah actually saw, it's not until verse 44 that Elijah actually saw a small rain cloud coming. So do you catch that? Elijah tells Ahab that he hears the sound of rain before he ever sees any sign of rain coming. And that is what faith is. Faith is believing without seeing. He hasn't seen any sign of rain, yet he can already imagine the sound of it because God told him that it would happen. So what are you waiting to see? What if we were a church that believed what we've heard before we see it? walking by faith, that I may not see how God is going to work all things together for my good, but he said that he will. That I may not see where God is at in all of this, but he said that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I may not see the goodness of God right now in this season of my life, but God said that I have come to bring life and life to the full. So what happened between Elijah speaking that the rain was coming and seeing the cloud? Right after Elijah said that there is the sound of heavy rain, you jump down to verse 42. Oh, man, guys, I'm excited. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. 
But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Now, I don't know if you know this, but before there were stirrups or hospitals, this is the birthing position. This is how women gave birth. And so Elijah, he heard the rain before there was any sign of it coming, and he gets into a birthing position to pray and push and birth the rain cloud into existence. You guys, there are some things that can only be birthed through prayer. Elijah pushed and pushed and pushed for six times, and still there was no sign of rain. And then he pushed one more time on that seventh time, and a cloud as small as the size of a hand started to come and make its way. And the sea, and until the sky grew black with clouds, more and more clouds came, and a heavy rain came. Guys, won't God do it? He said he would, and he did. There are some things that require us to labor in prayer, to push and push and push like Elijah did. God chooses the time, the people, and the place. But what if it's now? What if it's here? What if it's for you? What if it's for us? Will we, be, will we live in faithful anticipation that it could be so? What do you need to pray and push for in your life? I don't know about you all, but have you noticed that God is up to something here at TLC? There are so many churches that have had to close their doors and be done for. There are record-breaking numbers of people leaving the church, and yet by God's grace, we are seeing exponential growth. Could it be that there is something new that God is growing inside of us? Could it be that the only way that it can be birthed is if we go through the labor pains of persistent prayer where we will push and push and push until it is birthed? It's time to get into position, prayer position, birthing position. And we can't do this on our own. We aren't even meant to. God says that he is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he is the one that will stir faith in us. And I believe that he wants to birth new things through us and with us. So as I close in prayer, I want to invite you to consider one of these three ways that you could take a step of faith this morning that you could get yourself into position to birth something new. Maybe it's to come and receive prayer if you're sick or serving. 
The prayer team members will be up front during worship and afterwards, and they would love to pray over you. Maybe it's kneeling and getting into that position in a place of confession or to ask God for an increase of faith and perseverance. Or maybe you just need to pray and renew your commitment to prayer. That's what I need to do. I'm in this with you guys. So let's do this. Let's get into position and let's take a step of faith this morning. Let's pray. God, we come to you with expectancy. We come to you to make room to do whatever you want to do, to do only what you can do. I pray, God, that you would bring perspective and relief and healing to those that are suffering. I pray that you would bring healing and wholeness to those that are sick. And I pray, God, for your forgiveness and new life to those that confess today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.